What's up, everybody, to the Sports is Job listeners? A late Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or Happy Holidays. What it is, whatever it is you celebrate, and a early Happy New Year. I got another guest, two guests for all of you today. We took last week off, and as I mentioned on Twitter, um, kind of the plan and the goal moving forward is we're going to do an episode every other week, and I'll try to do a blog post in the weeks in between. But our two guests today, we have Ian Burley and Cullen Muntz. They are the hosts and creators of the Cutback Podcast. I got to give a shout out to Kennedy Show, who's the producer of the podcast. She does a lot of social media work. She is amazing herself. But these two individuals, I wanted to bring them on to talk about, obviously, their podcast being a part of the Sports' Job Podcast Network. But like I told them earlier, you know, as I dived into their their journey and their background, um, they were two individuals that I probably would have brought on in the future, even if they weren't associated with the Cutback Podcast. So welcome to Ian and Cullen to the Sports' Job Podcast, guys. Excited to be here, man. man. Happy to be here. If you guys could just give you a, a quick introduction as far as where you guys are and then what is your current positions in the sports industry? Yeah, go ahead, Colin. Uh, cool. All right. So uh, I went to the University of Michigan. Uh, so did Ian. We didn't meet each other there. It's uh, kind of funny, but went to the University of Michigan, uh, worked for football team there, worked in football for five years, uh, graduated from there with a sport management degree, went to the University of Oregon, got my law degree and my MBA there, worked for the football program there a few years, uh, then kind of transitioned into minor league baseball uh, with the Eugene Emeralds. And that kind of led one one thing led to another. I had a quick hiatus with the AAF in Atlanta. Uh, many of you are probably like, the AAF, that was the league that went under. That's the one. Uh, and then I got back into minor league baseball, and I'm now with the Peoria Chiefs as the director of food and beverage. Big time. Some would say that experience in Atlanta was legendary, eh? Oh, it was, man. <laughs> Legends never die, kid. <laughs> so uh, like Colin said, I too went to the University of Michigan born and raised uh, in the state of Michigan. I was also in the sport management program there uh, and did a dual degree with the business school. Uh, so I had a BBA, worked for the football team. So was was in the building basically every day for four and a half years, four full seasons. Uh, went to work in corporate America for a couple of years. Uh, decided that I wanted to get back into my passion of, of sports and sports business. So that took me out to the University of Oregon, did the MBA program, uh, met Mr. Munz here. We ended up living together for a year, uh, interned at the Eugene Emeralds, uh, taking a role that he had had the summer before. Uh, so the two of the two of us actually kind of got to work in conjunction during that time as well. Uh, and currently I am based out of Chicago and work for Revolution Sports Marketing, which is a small uh, kind of independent sports marketing agency uh, in Chicago. So you guys never, I said, that was going to be one of the questions was, you know, you guys like followed each other. Like it was like the timeline of things. So you guys didn't even know each other when you guys were at Michigan. No. And, and it's crazy because uh, we both graduated in 2015 from Michigan and we were in the sport management program, which is, is one of the smaller kind of majors at Michigan. And Colin and I always talk about like, we're both are pretty good with names and faces so we feel like if we would have saw each other like in a class or just even around the football building that while we may not have known like each other's names, we would have recognized each other. And we racked our brains as much as we could at Oregon and never found a time that we were like, yeah, I, like, I recognize this person. So somehow we made it four years in a lot of same circles in Michigan without ever actually meeting each other. And then uh, coincidence, 
coincidences uh, had us meet each other out in Oregon. Yeah, and we worked it for the football program. You worked what all four years for the football program? And yes, sir. I, I was I was only two. So, but he see, I think the real problem here, and maybe only the Michigan people know, is he's a Rick's guy. I'm a Skeeps guy. So I think that's <laughs> I think that's why we kind of went our didn't really catch each other while we were there. Who, who you guys got? Who was Rick? And is his coaches? Are they what are they, what are these these names you're mentioning here? Ricks and Skeeps are like the two primary uh, uh, adult beverage establishments <laughs> in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they both kind of have their their own charm about them. But they are kind of two very different environments. Usually have uh, kind of different specific crowds uh, for whatever reason that may be. And I usually found myself at one at one thirty in the morning, and and I guess Colin found himself <laughs> himself at the other. That's who's the that who's the cooler crowd that hangs out at the cooler bar? Which one is it? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I played no, the I mean, I mean, you look at your both of your guys' journey. Um, six degrees between the both of you, which is which is interesting and is crazy to think about. So take me through that thought process because for people out there who maybe are thinking about racking up degrees or getting more education, what was your guys' thought process between the three? I mean. Colin, you got a, a law degree and you got a sport management and your business administration degree. So like, what are, you know, what was the thought process behind getting these certain degrees? Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, for me, man, it was, it was a wild ride. Uh, I went into Michigan and, and wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Uh, kind of had an idea in my head, but didn't necessarily know what that meant in terms of schooling, right? Like, I knew I loved playing sports, you know, grew up playing three sports and, and always wanted to kind of be in that world. But I, I didn't really know what that path looked like. Um, so I started at Michigan in just the College of LSNA, Literature, Science and the Arts, which is basically like kind of the biggest overarching umbrella college at Michigan where like your psychology degrees are and, and biology and, and a lot of those types of degrees. Right. And um, I decided I wanted to try and get into the business school at Michigan, uh, you apply for the business school during your freshman year to start as a sophomore. So as I was going through that application process, I knew that I needed to have a backup as well, like if I didn't get into the business school. Uh, so I looked at the sport management program, which is in the School of Kinesiology. So I was able to actually transfer into the School of Kinesiology the second semester of my uh, freshman year. I started taking sport management classes, got into the business school, found out that there's this like kind of uh, largely unused dual degree that they have set up between the two. Um, and I thought, hey, this is a perfect way to kind of blend my two passions uh, and my two type of interests and kind of allow me to keep my, my doors open. So I did that uh, and, and really enjoyed it. Loved having the kind of balance between the kind of very like hyper competitive business school that Michigan has and the more very like subject matter that I was more passionate about in the, in the sport management program and, and the classes and some of the professors that we got through that program. And, and then in terms of going back to school for me, uh, the way I always describe it is, you know, if, for anybody who loves the office, like I do, uh, I think is the very first episode, Jim is, is doing an interview and he's like describing his job. Right. And he, and he stops and he kind of like does his little camera look and he goes like, I'm boring myself. Like that was what I found myself in. Um, and, and I was in a great, great situation. I, I enjoyed the company, enjoyed the people I work with, all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I just kind of felt unfulfilled and, and knew that uh, my heart of hearts was, 
I want to work in sports. And, and after doing a little bit of research and talking to some people in the industry, uh, the prevailing thought was the easiest way to kind of uh, pivot yourself into sports, especially as I was still kind of early on in my career, uh, was to go back to school, look, look for a program that uh, kind of specializes in sports business. There's kind of a handful, five or 10 across the country that are kind of well known in the industry. Um, Oregon was one that kind of came up in some of the people uh, that I talked to. So that was basically all I needed to hear was, hey, if, if you want to get to point B, point A is, is a program like the University of Oregon. And, and so I uh, threw all my eggs in that basket and ran with it. But you go from, Ian, right? You go from working in corporate America, a full-time job for two years, and then you have to go back to school working an internship where, and we all know, right? Especially at the minor leagues or internships in general, they don't pay anything or anything close to a full-time job. So was that even a, a barrier? Like, was that a second thought where you were like, oh, I'm going from making this, you know, whatever full-time salary to now I have to go back to eating ramen or, or struggling yeah. and, you know, doing that sort of thing? Yeah, it, it was. Um, it's, a, it's a good question because it wasn't something that I thought about as much as I probably should have before I went back. Uh, you, you think about it, you like acknowledge it, but you, you kind of also say, I'll, I'll figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those things where you don't necessarily understand it until you find yourself in that position. But for me, honestly, the, the biggest barrier was just the, like the external, like mental block, right. Of thinking like, oh man, like you, you start comparing yourself to others. Right. And you're like, oh, people who are still in corporate America are doing X, Y, Z. They're getting paid this much. Now they're living these types of lives. They're starting to buy homes so on and so forth. Once you kind of get past that, uh, I loved every bit of going back to school. Uh, I loved getting back into an internship and, and, and just like a, an industry in general in minor league baseball and, and sports. But I think especially in minor league baseball, that it's just about the grind and loving the grind. Um, and, and that's where I kind of really flourished. So the only second thoughts I had were, were always just kind of that peripheral, um, kind of comparing yourself to the rest of society and comparing yourself to other people's journeys. Once you, once you kind of put that out of your mind and, and you just kind of trust in your gut and trust the journey that you're on, you don't really, you don't really focus on some of that stuff. I'm glad that you brought that up, Ian, just because I know the listeners out there and, and the sports is job community out there, you know, I get a lot of questions like, what is the set path to where, you know, blah, 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 certain position. And there is, there is no set path. There, there's absolutely no set path. You can go into corporate America. You can work full time and go back to school three, four, five years down the road. You can go to school right out of your bachelor's. There's no set path. But the one thing to think about um, is how much do you actually love it? How much do you love that grind? Like Ian was saying, just because at the end of the day, right, for me at 23 years old, um, working a full-time job in sports, making only 20000 around $20,000 compared to my counterparts who are working at banks, working in, in corporates and private agencies who are making seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000, I sit here and say, I could probably go to the, do the same job as them, make the same money, and, and and not struggle as much as I, I am right now financially. But then at the end of the day, I, I balance that out. And, and the fact that I love the grind, I love working in sports. This is my passion. I'm willing to sacrifice that $60,000 $60, difference, but also understanding, talking to 
to people who are older than me, interviewing people on this podcast, the money is there. It's just about being persistent and patient and working hard. So the people listening there, listening to this right now, if you're debating whether or not to go back to school or what to do, there is no set path. You just have to understand what are you comfortable with, who you are, and then eventually you can make it to, to whatever your position is. And so now, you know, this, this leads to Cullen, who, who I think when I look at your experience, right, you take a huge left turn. And I think from the, from the outside looking in, just because you work operations, um, football, you're a referee, and then you go into food and beverage, and, you know, so that sort of thing. So if you want to talk about your own individual journey within the sports industry, yeah, man. So I, I really started, I knew from the time that I, that everybody has that moment where you like realize that you're not going to be able to play professional sports, you know, or like <laughs> where you, maybe this body isn't cut out for the, the, the highest level of, of uh, athletic performance. And so kind of when that clicked uh, probably around sixth grade was like, I knew that, uh, it's probably like I knew I needed to stay connected to sports in some way, shape or form. Like I, this was what I wanted to dedicate my life to. I like, I, I mean, you both have kind of hit on it. It's an industry of passion, like, and this was my passion. And so how do I get there? So um, I went to work for the Houston Dynamo, the soccer team uh, here in town. And that's where it kind of started, started in the parking lot there. Uh, and, and Ian, highlighted it it's a grind like it's a grind you you realize how much you actually love it when you're like i enjoy going to stand in 100 degree weather in a houston summer in the middle of a parking lot <laughs> like like that's like what you're doing um so I, I knew i wanted to major in sport management i'm originally from houston texas so there's not a whole lot of sport management programs around here not well at the time there wasn't now there's kind of more popped up rice has one u of h has one but at the time they didn't um and ultimately was looking for one, landed at Michigan, uh, and then just by the grace of God, uh, got into the football program there. And it just really kind of opened my eyes to the different roles that there were within a football team, because uh, I'd never really been exposed to anything outside of marketing and, uh, I guess, stadium operations, like parking and things like that with the Dynamo. Uh, and I had some experience, like off and on experience with the Astros and ticketing. And I... Ian can tell you I'm not a salesman. So, so uh, it, it, that wasn't the road for me, but it was all like, I used the time at Michigan to kind of learn like what I wanted to do, like learn what part of the operation I wanted to be a part of. And that kind of where I fit, you know, which was kind of ops is kind of where I found my, I had like the most expertise. And so I kind of, I worked for Michigan for two years, went through two head coaches um, and then graduated and decided kind of found myself looking for jobs and, and kind of noticing like I'm not really catching a lot of traction um, and I needed another way to differentiate myself kind of going back to you know when you actually play sports like what makes you different from the other six foot white guy who can shoot like how do you what makes you better you know like what puts you one step above and so I decided like law school was probably the differentiator because I'd seen how much transactional and, and things like that that go on and just the, the law kind of touches almost every aspect of a sports organization. Um, and so I decided to go to law school. I really didn't even have any clue. Like the MBA program was on the forefront and 
like the so it was just kind of like a when I got there to law school and let me tell you for those out there like considering law school like you gotta like want it <laughs> you gotta you gotta like that stuff is hard man it is not it's not like roses and sunshine there uh, but got there and then kind of discovered the Warsaw program while I was there uh, in law school and it kind of clicked like okay maybe I can keep sports connected here while I'm at law school because it went from I was all sports all the time with Michigan football and my sport management degree literally all sports to law school with normal lawyers trying to do lawyer stuff that doesn't touch and I'm the guy like hey I'm trying to do sports and they're like no that football stadium's across the river man like what are you doing like and so it was just a very weird dynamic so I found the NBA program with Warsaw and it was like a good way to get sports back in and then I kind of I started working with the football program at Oregon I worked there for three years three different head coaches um so it was a that was a huge experience in and of itself just learning because all of them are so different and Ian can attest to this as he's been under different coaches it's literally like your boss leaves and comes back and it's he's completely different the next day like everything about what your day-to-day is is changed flipped on its ear not the same and so it's just that flexibility and everything kind of all came in there um so then I graduated was looking for a job looking for a job um I had, you know, some offers come across in food and beverage right when I graduated. And I kind of was like sticking to my guns. Like I want to, I'm going after this ops thing, going after this ops thing, you know, just really sticking to what I, you know, to use an NBA term, betting on myself, if you will. (laughs) Um, And so I, the AAF came up and we can dive more into the AAF later if it's, it's a hoot. Um, But went to Atlanta um, on probably the most shady email system you've ever seen. Literally packed up my car, packed up, rented a car, actually. Rented a car, drove to San Antonio in less than 24 hours notice. uh, Interviewed in San Antonio, got the job in Atlanta. And then within two days after that was going to Atlanta and working there. Slept on a floor for seven months in Atlanta. It was great. Got to travel with the team. Young Way Koo was our kicker uh yeah. pro bowler young way Koo, by the mm-hmm. way that i'm and i'm ready to say it and then maybe this will be the first podcast that the people can hear it <laughs> uh young way Koo is now the face and the success story of the aaf <laughs> uh, but uh obviously we kind of know the fate of the aaf and so i was kind of caught in that i'm back on the street what do i do i moved back to eugene to kind of get my feet underneath me saw my lived with my boy in here Um, and then just the, by the great, literally by the grace of God, like the, the same guy who offered me the food and beverage role was, uh, said, there's another opportunity. We want you to come in. We like what you did in the past. We really like you having as a part of this, like family, like, are you interested? It's food and beverage, but you're still connected to sports. And I'm like, yes, let's go, let's do it. Like, and, and honestly, it's been a great choice, like, because I would so much rather, be connected to this industry, even though it's not exactly, you know, the dream or or what I envisioned six, seven years ago, but I'm still connected. I still enjoy going to work every day. I'm still like, my office is a baseball field. Like (laughs) it's pretty cool. You know, I I imagine, you know, talking about your, your law school, Cullen, 
I imagine you in a room full of guys with, with suits on and you're the guy with the Jersey on just out of place among everybody. <laughs> uh, see, man, that's, that's the thing. I love to rock a clean suit. Like I really okay. love, a, like my dad calls me Johnny Cochran, uh, which I don't know, <laughs> but like, so it's, it's, I love like wild suits. So if I'm in a room of people with suits, I'm probably the one with the loudest suit on. <laughs> But you also brought the heat to uh, Jersey Thursdays in the NBA program. I did. I did. I tried my best to bring the Jersey, but see, there's no suit Thursdays in the NBA program. You're in Oregon. Nobody wears a suit ever there. <laughs> Flannel Fridays. Yeah. I, probably, Flannel every I haven't day. worn a suit in like only conferences. Other than that, my work, you know, work, you get to wear polos and shorts. And, and that's the cool thing about working in sports is sometimes I don't get to, I don't have to dress as professional as other people in other industries have to. That's true. That's true. It is nice. You're casual 98% of the time in sports. Well, let's talk about, you know, you guys talked about making the switch when you guys have different coaches. And, and I think that's similar to a lot of people when, when you see a lot of college athletic departments make a switch from a, a different AD or their, their head of marketing person uh, switches on them. And so now they work somewhat under somebody else. How do you guys make the adjustments? Like, what do you guys do to learn the new tendencies of a new coach, a new boss? Like, what were, what were the things that you guys did? Yeah, I think a lot is, is first just run around with your hair on fire for a little bit. Um, that that's going to happen, especially in, in a football building, right? Like a football building and the environment there is, is kind of going to be unlike any other environment, but even within an athletic department, that's a, a way different environment than a corporate America environment. So I think first it's just make whatever the coach wants to happen or your boss first and foremost, make it happen. Um, and then I think the second thing, and maybe ultimately the most important thing that comes with time is, is just being able to either listen or observe whichever one your role kind of allows both if possible uh, because that's where you're really going to pick up on what it is they they really want, how they're operating, what they want the culture to be like, um, what they expect out of the people around them. Um, and and if you're in a position like, let's say you're in an athletic department and you're working for a head of marketing, once you observe somebody, you can maybe see how you can go above and beyond your day-to-day responsibilities to fill a need that you see that's been created just by the way that that your boss runs their day-to-day life and you can kind of make their job easier so i think that 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 listening and that observing that's that's where you can really kind of make a difference once you get over the okay we're all running around with our heads chopped off just trying to get through the day get through practice whatever it may be yeah and and everything he said i completely agree with i think you know i would also say like especially at that first stage in that transition from you know any kind of transition that happens communicate with somebody and to figure out what's going on like figure to yes you got to work really hard and run around with your hair on fire like that's a given but i think you if you're just running around aimlessly you'll you won't get anywhere as fast as you could if you kind of got some direction from somebody that you trust whether it's you know using our athletic department example you know, I had a operations director who retained her job first. So it was easier for me to just call her and be like, okay, kind of what's my new role under this, this coach. And then from there, 
go take it, take the ball and run. You know, that's kind of where, how I, the only thing I would add. And I think that's both important to the couple of points that you guys both touched on. You know, the grind doesn't stop. A new head coach, new boss. If anything, you have to work a little harder. Cullen, you know, communication. Never assume what your role is. Never assume expectations. Ask somebody. Ask somebody who you can talk to. Make sure that communication is clear. Now it comes and leads up to the point where I mentioned in the beginning, the Cutback Podcast. Now we we have the Cutback Podcast. So if you guys can, whoever wants to be the representative here, <laughs> just give a short explanation on, on what the Cutback Podcast is. And then I need the uh, the origin story. How did the the idea, how did the podcast come to fruition? You want to split it up, Colin? You want, you want me to uh, give sure. the pitch and you give the origin story since I always bury the lead? Yeah, let's do it. I like it. <laughs> All right. So what the Cutback Pod is, is... Uh, our little tagline kind of almost sums it up where, you know, we Colin and I kind of keep our eyes and ears on the world of sports and the business that surrounds it and kind of just provide our commentary. Right. So we, we talk a lot about work-life balance and that's how we split up our podcast. So we have the work topics, which is kind of looking at the headlines of uh, what's going on in the sports business world, whether that's uh, uh, like player negotiations with leagues uh, different sponsorship and marketing things. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Under Armour and their different deals with UCLA falling through and what they're doing with Texas Tech and, and so on and so forth. And then we have our play topics, which is more of kind of your, um, what we call educated bar talk. Like we're, we're sitting at the bar and we're just kind of, just kind of shooting the breeze, uh, but trying to come at it from a little bit of a, um, a background of the different experiences that we have that kind of allow us to read past the headlines and, and kind of analyze what might be going on from all the different uh, kind of factors at play in these, in these scenarios. And I think we've all been in that situation where we've been at a bar and you've been with an uneducated bar sports person <laughs> where the, you, they're talking about sports and they lit their opinions literally make you want to bang your head against the bar <laughs> you're sitting at. Like we've no, all, we have that. some of those too. We have some of those. Too. Oh, absolutely. We do. <laughs> uh, but our origin story. Um, so I, we kind of alluded to it. Ian and I lived together for, I think it's over a year, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we, when we did, uh, we lived together, there was oftentimes uh, we would just be in the living room. I oftentimes he was on the couch. I was in the kitchen and it was, we would just literally talk for hours about, um, you know, business a lot of times and then sports, just things happening in the sports world. Um, so like, it's funny, you look at the, our picture on our um, podcast cover, it's that got the green couch in it. That green couch is actually that color that was actually in our living room. Like that's actually real. Um, and I mean, so we literally, that's kind of, so after 2020 happened, uh, we've kind of had the year kind of slowed down for both of us in, in various ways. And Ian approached me and was like, Hey, why don't we take our living room commentary? Why don't we take it to the airwaves and let's start this podcast. And uh, so 32 episodes later, here we are. That's amazing. I think 2020, 
I think there's a lot of positive things that happened in 2020 and, and the cutback podcast seems like it's one of them. Um, and for the people who are listening, I'm glad that we touched base on your experience because I want them to know like, hey, like these two guys, it's, it's like you said, sports bar talk, but this is coming from six degrees, a combination of, of different experiences of working in different aspects of the sports industry. And in the world we live in, we do need validation. Like we, I mean, credibility, you know, a lot of us, you know, we don't like to listen to people that maybe don't seem credible. And I think Ian and Cullen, both of you have that background, have that experience where people can take your opinion. I mean, they can take and do whatever, what they want with your opinion, but for you guys to have that background, that experience, I think it makes it a little more trustworthy for people out there. Um, Looking forward to 2021. We talked about what 2020 did this episode. You know, this is going to be a early new year's episode before a couple days before new year starts. So for you guys individually, I mean, what are you guys looking forward to in 2021? Like, what's the goal? What's what's the theme of 2021? What are we thinking? Yeah, man, I think uh, one of my <laughs> I always struggle with like resolutions sometimes um, for for one reason or another. But I have had one kind of prevailing one that that I've that I'm really kind of stuck on that I'm going to implement in 2021, and and that's just to read a book every month. Try and read one book a month. Uh, it, as, as a lot of us probably know, it's, it's hard to, to read now. It seems like the most reading I do is scrolling through Twitter every day. Um, <laughs> but, and you get a lot of different like storytelling and, and some of that from, uh, different documentaries and Netflix and all the different streaming services. Right. But I still think there's such a huge, uh, kind of benefit to reading books. And there's so many great books out there across all the vast different, genres and kind of topics so for me like one of those personal goals is just to read a book every month in 2021 and and to just continue to grind um i think this year has kind of reinforced the idea that um there's a lot that's going to happen to you around you that you can't control um and getting caught up on that is only going to cause yourself to kind of self-deteriorate a little bit so just continuing to focus on what you can control continuing to to kind of double down on on yourself your work ethic what you believe in what you're passionate about um that's kind of that's kind of the goal for 2021 keep it moving dang uh that's tough to follow because <laughs> uh, i see his is his is a lot more measurable you know you're supposed to have those like smart measurements uh yeah. specific measurable whatever 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 that's actionable yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's very corporate of you there. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't have anything that's measurable. Um, I'm just trying, obviously I think 2020 was a tough year for everybody. Uh, I'm not, I don't think anybody got came out of 2020 feeling good. Uh, so, you know, my goal is I think positivity goes a long way, uh, especially in a mindset, uh, just on your day-to-day outlook and of things. And so um, my goal in 2021 is just to, constantly remind myself to stay positive, even in situations that may not be the best. Don't let negativity kind of prevail. Uh, Cause there were times in 2020 where negativity prevailed. And I think that's um, got to change in 2021. So that's my, that's my uh, resolution, if you will. Don't good luck measuring it, but whatever. <laughs> and I think from, from both of you guys, um, you know, my, my 2021, my focus is definitely, you know, similar to both of you guys, I think for me reading again, that's something that I recognize Ian. like, you can't ignore the value that books are out there. And I'm right now I'm currently reading, uh, think 
Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I don't know. That was one of the classics that people recommended. Um, and, and that talks about one of the, my focuses of 2021 is, is self-belief. Like if you can't think of it, if, 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 if it's not something you can believe in, then how are you supposed to conceive it in life? And obviously there are different factors to it, but I think with any great idea, great business, great goal, great dream, um, it starts off with just a thought. And, and so that for me is, is, is seeing that through the negativity, you know, through the, different job rejections, the, the different things that we're getting as we navigate the sports industry or just life, believing and understanding that things will work out, that the goals that I think of in my head will eventually work out as long as I do the right things. And then as far as, you know, what, what Cullen was saying, um, you know, for me, again, I, I think it's, it's discipline. Um, when I look at all the successful people in the sports industry in life, the one common factor among all of them is discipline. I like to, in terms of and I compare myself to, you know, the different Olympi Olympians, like different events right now. There's nothing, nothing against them. They're amazing. I'm a hundred yard meter dash type of person. I got that 100 <laughs> yard meters. That's all you can get out of me. I'm fast and, and quick with it, but I kind of want to be more of a, you know, uh, in between like an 800 meter, right? They can pace themselves. And as you see, like competition gets closer, they can speed themselves up um, towards the last hundred meters. All of a sudden they got this extra, you know, energy in them where they, they're sprinting extra hard. So I want to be able to, to be an 800 meter dash runner in 2021, where I can pace myself, so I can push myself. And I always have that energy in, inside of me to keep going. And so that's my focus. Um, Shout out to both of you for coming on to the podcast. I, this was great to learn more about your experiences and tell the sports the job listeners if they haven't already, go check out the Cutback Podcast. Um, if you guys could give your guys self a quick shout out on social media, shout out the Cutback Podcast or, or your individual social medias as well. Yeah, so you can follow uh, the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the Cutback Pod. Uh, so that one's pretty self-explanatory. Myself personally, also on Twitter and Instagram uh use twitter a lot more often but it's ian burley too so i-a-n-b-e-b-u-r-l-e-i-g-h and the number two yeah i'm also on instagram and the twitter uh the you twitter. can give you can give me a follow on both my handle is the same on both like ian's it's c muns m-u-n-z c muns two five so pretty straightforward uh but yeah don't expect a whole lot of riveting content <laughs> just go to the cutback for that spam some trash cans in, in the chat for calling oh, on that one see, <laughs> see months 25 we, i thought we were gonna make it through without that coming in and ruining the show <laughs> why is that was that was something that you guys brought up in the in your guys episode spamming culling is that is that what we're doing to end the year here oh no they just like to razz me about the astros because i'm a diehard <laughs> astros fan and they always they don't believe me that this is a league-wide scandal and the Astros were scapegoated. So go listen to the cutback and uh, you can hear all my hot takes on that. Perfect. Well, shout out to you guys for coming on the podcast and to all the sports job listeners. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast. And as Cullen mentioned, go visit the cutback podcast to listen to their episodes. You can see them on, on sportsjob.com and all podcast platforms. And to everybody out there, a happy new year. And like I always say, we are, are all our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.